Scaled Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here. Happy Industrial Water Week. Each and every year, we celebrate as industrial water treaters together that we have this fantastic job. It's hard to believe that everybody doesn't want this job, but it's good for us that they don't because we know how awesome it is, and we are going to bring that awesomeness this week to Industrial Water Week. Now, this week is going to be like other celebrations where we have had in years past for Industrial Water Week, but we're going to add a few different things to keep it fresh. And this week, we are using hashtags. Folks, I want to make sure that we're not just listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. We are actually calling ourselves to action to do something to celebrate, and we are going to share that with the Scaling Up Nation and with all the other industrial water treaters in the world. So please, hashtag IWW20, what you are going to do to celebrate this week. I'm gonna try to give us a challenge every so often this week so we can remember to hashtag some photos, some videos, anything that reminds us to just celebrate that we are so happy to be industrial water treaters. You know, something that makes me happy as an industrial water treater in the field that I am in is I just experienced the Association of Water Technologies virtual convention last week and got to see a lot of you on our virtual hangs each and every evening of the convention. And folks, that just got me started for this week. I know you're going to have a lot of fun this week. One of the coolest things I got to do last Friday was I got to announce that I am this year's recipient of the Association of Water Technologies Ray Baum Memorial Water Technologist of the Year Award. Folks, that is so incredibly humbling to me. I want to thank all the people out there that nominated me. So thank you so much for that. My message on Friday was who is going to get this award next year and why can it not be you. So what are you doing for the industrial water industry? How are you making the industry better? And then when it's all said and done, when you move off to whatever career number two is or retirement or whatever that is, what can you look back to say, yes, that was my mark in making the industrial water treatment industry better. And folks, I can't think of anybody else that has put such a great mark on the water treatment industry than founder of this great holiday, James McDonald. So it's only fitting that the founder of our great holiday week, we will open our ceremonies with James McDonald. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. This is James McDonald. And I want to wish you all a happy Industrial Water Week. While most people have no idea that industrial water treatment is even a profession, or what it is, we know what we do as industrial water treatment professionals is special. It's rewarding. It puts food on our tables and helps the world do the same. It matters. It should be celebrated. And with this third annual Industrial Water Week, it is. I look forward to hearing what Trace's Scaling Up H2O podcast has to say this week, and I especially look forward to what you do and share on social media. 
Please share pictures of what you're doing that day. Share stories. Share articles. Share selfies of you in the field or the office. Share funny commentary about what your family and friends think you do. Let others know this week is about you. Don't forget each day has a theme. Pre-treatment Monday, Boiler Tuesday, Cooling Wednesday, Wastewater Thursday, and Careers Friday. Lastly, remember to tag your post with hashtag Industrial Water Week or hashtag IWW20, as in 2-0. Happy Industrial Water Week, everyone. James, thank you so much for not only creating this holiday, but helping me make this year the best celebration we have had so far. I'm a little worried to think about how we're going to top this next year, but let's face it, that is next year's problem. So I thought something that we would add to our celebration is a little industrial water treatment jeopardy. So folks, get your thinking caps on because here come a few questions to see how well you score on this Monday's topic, pre-treatment. When samples are taken from a water softener, usually specific gravity, over the entire backwash cycle, it is called this. What is an elution study? This is the most common name given to a filter that uses a silica-type substance for its media. What is a sand filter? This is the device in the bottom of a sand filter that keeps the sand from leaving the vessel. What are the laterals? This is the volume of a solution passing through a certain quantity of resin within a given time. What is flow rate? The solution which emerges from an ion exchange column is called this. What is effluent? This is what we call loss of resin through abrasion. What is attrition? Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our first installment of Industrial Water Treatment Jeopardy. Hopefully you scored high. Tomorrow you'll get another opportunity. Nation, on episode 97, I interviewed Brian Hayward, on filtration of cooling towers. When we think about pre-treatment, and that's what we should be thinking about this pre-treatment Monday, pre-treatment is anything that we do before our regular, most likely, chemical treatment. Well, Brian was so gracious to come on the show and talk all about what we should know about sand filters when it comes to putting them on a cooling tower. So I want you to go to episode 97, if you have not listened to that episode in a while, and think about what you can do to add pre-treatment to take out all the solids to your system before they get in the system and now you have to deal with them. Think of pre-treatment as the insurance policy to take out all the stuff before it gets in the system so we can really focus on what the core water treatment issues are, which is control of corrosion, control of scale, and control of microbial. All the dirt and debris, if we can filter out, if we can keep out of the system, that just makes our job 
doable. And without having some sort of filtration on each and every system that we treat, it makes our job darn near impossible. So what are you doing on each and every system to help your system be pre-treated before it goes to your normal treatment program? Nation, as you know, James McDonald is extremely talented. James does some voiceover work. You might hear him if you listen to certain Star Trek podcasts. He does some of the evil villains. Well, he has also created a character to help the water treater learn through story. Now, James's character is called Detective H2O, and he is going to join us with a little story. So if you guys will, please welcome Detective H2O. Welcome to Detective H2O, the case of normalization. Rain flooded off his black umbrella as Herbert Henry Oxidane, P.I. C.W.T., stepped outside the six-story building where he rented office space. A few minutes before, the powerhouse chief operator, Howard Clyde Muriatic, had phoned. On the third ring, the water detective answered. Detective H2O here, the best water treater this side of the Ohio. Solving water problems drop by drop. What you got? Detective H2O, we need your smarts over here at Aardvark Stamping Incorporated. This is Howard. We've got this reverse osmosis system. My crew records a lot of data on it. We just have no idea when to clean it. My guys are good with the books, see? Lots of practice from their extracurricular activities, if you know what I mean. We just don't know what to do with this RO data. When should we be cleaning the RO? We've been guessing, putting our fingers in the air, and just guessing. I've been meaning to come up to your neck of the woods for a while now, Howard. I'll start my old Ford and be over as fast as it can coast there. It's mostly downhill. Crack open the checkbook and save me some coffee. Dodging the raindrops, Detective H2O marched from the guard shack to the powerhouse at Aardvark Stamping Incorporated. Their three 100,000-pound-per-hour coal-fired water tube boilers lined the main aisle with the operator room on the far side. As he searched for Howard, the water detective took a moment to look through the logbook. Everything appeared to be in order with regular testing and no notable events with the water treatment equipment during the last few weeks. Detective H2O took a moment to chat with the on-floor operator he found sitting in front of the boilers with his feet propped up. Ox, it's been a while. How have you been? Oh, not bad, Barney. Not bad at all. Don't bother getting up. How about you and things around here? I'd complain, but nobody would listen. Things around here have been going fine. We finally rebuilt some of the valves on software number two a few months ago, but she'd been eating her tires kicked for an embarrassingly long time. Sounds good. Is Howard around? He called me about interpreting the RO data. Howard's around here somewhere. I'll call him on the radio and have him meet you at the RO. You'll find log sheets to the right of the units. Detective H2O made his way to the RO, observing the flow rates, pressures, connectivities, percent recovery, temperature, run times, etc. as he listened to the unit run. 
It was filling up the permeate storage tank, and at first glance, things looked good. The data on the log sheets only went back a month and didn't show anything obvious. A more thorough look at the data would tell the real story, though. Detective H2O, thanks for coming. As you can see, the RO's humming right along. And as you can see from that log sheet you're holding, my crew's good at keeping the books. We completely guess when to clean it, though. The permeate flow rate is relatively constant, but I know these things do file and need periodic cleaning. Is cleaning every three months really necessary, though? Or should we clean more or less frequently? I've got no idea. I see your problem, Howard. Reverse osmosis systems are a great technology. They can save a ton of money in boiler fuel costs and water costs. I've worked with them for years, but they can be counterintuitive when interpreting their data. Changes in pressure, temperature, dissolved solids, percent recoveries, and so forth can make just eyeballing the data impossible. They can work against each other to make what seems like a good trend into a hidden disaster. Do you have the rest of the data? We should go back several months to see what's been going on. I've got better than that, detective. I've been entering it into a spreadsheet. Grab that log sheet hanging there, and we'll put that data in too. When Howard fired up his computer and entered the most recent data, a clear story still did not show. Look at this, detective. The permeate flow rate has been steady for the past year. Very steady. I start getting nervous when it runs for too long between cleanings. We cleaned this unit last October, and then late February. But you wouldn't know it by looking at the permeate flow. No changes at all. Are the membranes not fouling? Should I stop cleaning? I wouldn't draw that conclusion yet. Let's see how variations and variables such as pressure and temperature affect the permeate flow. It's called normalization and allows you to do an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of the system. Would the membranes you have today perform as well under the same conditions as when they were installed? Normalization uses mathematical tricks to take the membranes back in time to answer exactly that question. We've been comparing apples and oranges up to this point. Let's dump your data into this normalization spreadsheet I developed based upon ASTM standards and advice from membrane manufacturers. Let's see if this data sings like a canary. Whipping out his hand-cranked laptop from his briefcase, Detective H2O transferred the RO data into his normalization worksheet copied down his equations, and updated the graphs. Then he whistled. Look what we have here, Howard. Wow, that's a horse of a different color, Detective. Looks like you've taken the blinders off. Yes. You see, as a membrane fouls, it takes more pressure to force the water through the membrane. Counterintuitively, as temperatures increase, water passes through the membrane more easily. These and other factors can make non-normalized data look just fine, but as you can see in this graph of normalized permeate flow, or NPF, it doesn't look fine at all. Look at these increases in October and late February. Those would be your cleanings. RO cleanings should be done based upon analysis of the data like we're doing here. Some rules of thumb of when to clean is when the normalized permeate flow decreases by 10 to 15%, normalized pressure drop increases by 15%, and or normalized salt passage increases 10%. Some membrane manufacturers may have slightly different recommendations, but these are a good place to start. Cleaning too frequently isn't necessarily good for the membranes, just like waiting too long can be bad for them as well. This is great, Detective H2O. How have we been doing then? 
It looks like you probably waited too long between cleanings when you did the October cleaning, but the membranes appear to have recovered well. Then, when you cleaned again in late February, you probably cleaned a little too early. It may have gone another month or so before the data would indicate the optimal time to clean. How about now? Is it time to clean now? Looking at this normalized data, I'd say things are actually holding steady. Barney said you fixed up software number two. Was that sometime around or after the last cleaning? You know, now that I think about it, yes, it was the beginning of March. That unit was prematurely hard for longer than I'm willing to admit. But should we clean the RO now? It's been over three months, going on four. Shouldn't we clean? I'd say no. Clean this RO based upon the normalized data. And the data says the RO is not fouled enough to clean. I'll leave you a copy of this normalization spreadsheet to keep logging your data into. You can email it to me periodically to take a glance over. We'll make the decision together. That makes me feel a lot better. The budget is tight around here at Aardvark Stamping Incorporated. The longer I can go without buying new membranes, the better. On the flip side, I don't want to spend more on labor and chemicals for RO cleaning than I have to either. This is a good plan, Detective H2O. I'm glad you're on my side. I'm always on the side of wise water decisions for both the customer and the industrial water equipment. Now, where's that coffee? In the underbelly and penthouses of the metropolis of Waterville, where the boilers percolate and cooling towers fog, there is one man who works tirelessly to end corrosion, stop scale, fight low-life microbes, and conserve water. That man is Detective H2O. Best water treater this side of the Ohio, solving water problems drop by drop. James, thank you for Detective H2O. I think we're all going to learn something from each segment that we hear this week. So join us tomorrow for a new installment of Detective H2O. You have the best job in the world, so why not flaunt it? Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash shop and get your very own water treatment design t-shirt today. Show off the fact that you are a water treater in style. We have several themes to choose from. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash shop to get yours today. Folks, if something that 2020 has taught us it's that we don't see each other as much as we would like to. So to help remedy that, I'm going to give you all little challenges throughout the week, and I'm hoping that you will follow suit with posting on social media and hashtagging those posts. The hashtag we're going to use is IWW20. Of course, that stands for Industrial Water Week 20. And today, I'm going to tell you that uh, for the first time ever, I'm gonna give you a recipe. You know, James McDonald is always very fond of having people do a cake to close out Industrial Water Week. So I'm actually gonna give you a recipe this week. It's a very, very simple recipe, and it's actually called a water cake. And the water cake gets its start way back before I can track it, but the furthest I could track it was before the revolutionary war. Now, this was when things that were perishable could not travel, and they would make a cake without milk, butter, 
or eggs. Sounds delicious, right? Well, hey, you can also see that there are White House cookbooks where first ladies have made water cake. In fact, George Washington, I found an article where one of his favorite desserts was water cake. So we are going to adopt for this year for Industrial Water Week 20, the water cake as the official cake for 2020 Industrial Water Week. So if you want that recipe, you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash cake, or you can look in this show notes. You can see that recipe. And what I would like for you to do is make your version of this cake by Friday. Of course, on Friday, that's when I would love for everybody to have a cake that they can enjoy to close out Industrial Water Week. But when if you make the cake sooner, get a picture of it with you, with your team, with your customers, and hashtag that to IWW20. And when you make that cake, I want you to think of the history that's behind that cake. So many presidents had enjoyed that. And then when the Great Depression came around, this cake made a huge comeback because, of course, there were no milk, no butter, no eggs. The primary ingredient is water. I think that's the largest ingredient that you are going to add. So why not celebrate Industrial Water Week with a water cake? Folks, as you are enjoying Industrial Water Week, of course, we've got a different segment of water treatment that we're celebrating each and every day. Today is pre-treatment Monday. Tomorrow is Boiler Tuesday. Wednesday is cooling, Thursday is all about wastewater, and Friday is about careers. I would love it if you could take a specific photo for each and every day that represents what we are celebrating and hashtag that to IWW20. I think it's going to allow us to see how large the Scaling Up Nation is how large the industrial water treatment population is, that no matter where we are on this globe, we all share that we are industrial water treaters. We're doing the same job. We are not alone. And I know a lot of times this job can make it seem that way, that we do feel like we are isolated just because of how the job works. We are not. So hashtag everything you post to IWW20 so we can see all of those smiling faces out there. My homework for you is to learn something new about pretreatment. What did you not know about pretreatment today that you are going to go to bed knowing that you learned something new? And my challenge is that we do that for each and every segment this week. So we are getting a well-rounded education on a regular basis for every aspect of water treatment. Now, for those of you out there that are at the WEFTEC convention, I would love for you to, when you're in chat rooms, to talk about Industrial Water Week. Let people know that there is a holiday out there and let them know what some of the things that we're doing here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Get them to start posting some of their pictures to IWW20. The quote I'm going to leave you with is from Lao Zhe, and he says, nothing is softer or more flexible than water, yet 
nothing can resist it. Folks, I hope you have a great pre-treatment Monday and I will catch you tomorrow on Boiler Tuesday.